choir always thank you with appropriate anthem for uh, where we are this week. And so we thank you for that, for that blessing this morning. We continue on with our series uh, about being instruments of God's peace. Uh, and so where we are today is the whole notion of pardon. We're going to be lifting up and focusing in on uh, verse 32 from chapter 4 in Ephesians. Uh, and let me bring this forward for us today as a, for our focus. The apostle is speaking into the life of the church. He says this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Every week we join together in this particular series, uniting in that prayer of St. Francis. I'm going to ask Doug to put it up at this time and invite us to, to pray this prayer as we move forward into the message this morning. So let's unite together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. You know, as we go through Lent, as we pray that prayer week in and week out, the hope is, and the prayer is, we begin to build that into our lives. Uh, and so in that prayer, let's join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you uh, for this week and your word, for the ways that your word challenges us to move into places of injury into our in our lives and be people of pardon in those places. And we thank you for the ways that your Holy Spirit works that blessing, not only in us, but also through us. And so for that gift of your grace, for the ways that we claim it and live it in faith, we give you our thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we'd all agree that the President of the United States is a very, very powerful position, a very, very powerful person. And the powers are reflected in the, the ability that they have, the power that they have to lead the military in the time of war. They are the commander-in-chief. The power they have to appoint the Supreme Court justices and, and bring forward that legislative, uh, not the legislative, the judicial uh, part of our government the ways that they can declare national emergency. But one of the other powers that presidents have is they have the power to grant pardons. They have the power to pardon. And you begin to look at how presidents have used this power. Uh, both President Obama and President Bush both used the power to pardon about 200 times. Uh, uh, Obama was uh, 212 and, and Bush was like 190. So it's kind of, you know, just a little bit on either side of 200. To put that in a little bit other context, you go back to 
uh, President Clinton and President Reagan, uh, they both used that power about 400 times, kind of give or take. Uh, President Clinton used it about 395, 96 times, and President Reagan about 393 times. Anyway, power of pardon was used a lot, and that's the, one of the powers that the president has. You know, and we, as we come here this morning, you and I know that we do not have the power to lead the military, and you and I know that we don't have the power to appoint justices, and you and I know that we don't have the power to declare national emergencies. But what I want to tell you is you and I do have the power to grant pardons. You and I do have the power to grant pardons. And the question is not how much does the president use that power. The question is, how much do you and I use that power? How much do you and I use the power that God gives us to grant pardons? Now, sometimes you, I think maybe we don't use it as often as we could because we don't see the opportunities. You know, where in my life could I use that opportunity to grant a pardon? And I want to tell you, friends, I think those opportunities abound in our lives. So let me ask you some questions. Have you ever been snubbed? Have you ever been overlooked? Have you ever been forgotten? Has somebody ever poked fun at you in a way that was a little bit too pointed? Has anybody ever called you out in public? Has anyone ever deliberately misunderstood your motives? Has anyone ever questioned your commitment? Maybe questioned your character? Has anyone ever gossiped about you? Has anyone ever claimed your ideas their own? And I could go on and on, and you could go on and on too, but, but here's, the, here's the thought that's behind all of those questions. In our lives, there are moments in our lives where you come out of those moments and you say, you know what? Something just happened and I don't feel good. <laughs> you know, I feel beat up, I feel bruised, I feel kind of, you know, a little bit broken in all of this. What I have just sustained, I've just sustained an injury. There's moments in our lives where all of us can look back on those moments. And I think those moments happen on a pretty regular basis. And we can say, you know what? In that moment, I did sustain an injury. And what I want to bring forward today is yes, that happens. And yes, that is not good. But that it also holds an opportunity. Because in that moment, we have a decision we can make. We have a choice that we can make in those moments. Now, I was driving down the Central a while back, and I, and I saw a big billboard, and the big board said, injured? And then it had 1-800, you know, call this number. And uh, I can guarantee if you call that 1-800 number, uh, what was gonna go on with that 1-800 number was about payback, about financial payback. You know, but you call the number and that's what we're going to engage in in terms of injury is going to be payback. And, and then what I'm talking about this morning is not about financial payback, but what I am talking about this morning uh, to a degree is emotional payback. Because so often when we're injured, kind of the whole notion is that we're going to respond in kind. You know, I've been injured. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to kind of move back in, in the same way toward that person. And the Bible speaks about that. 
It talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth back in Exodus and Leviticus. And kind of that whole notion of the response there is the, it's the notion of, of reciprocity. You know, it's a reciprocal response. It's a retaliation, basically. And so as we, you know, as we have sustained the injury, then what we're going to do is afflict an injury. Because what we're about to do is we're about to settle a score. And it's a score that needs to be settled. And so the Bible talks about, it talks about retaliation, but it also talks about revenge. Because sometimes what can happen in the payback, and you and I know this, you can get the payback and kind of, you can kind of get carried away with the payback. And maybe you've experienced this too, where it kind of goes beyond the original injury. And you look in the Bible, and I go all the way back to the book of Genesis in Genesis 4. You begin to see Cain and Abel, and back in, in that uh, Cain and Abel story, you know, as you all know, uh, Cain kills Abel. Then God says, you know, you're going to have to leave the community. You're going to have to go out. And Cain says, I can't do that because when I do that, when I become a vagabond and a, wander, a foreigner on the face of the earth, I'm going to get killed. And God's hedge of protection around Cain. He says, if anybody does that, I will revenge that death sevenfold. And that's really not so much about God being a God of vengeance as much as God being a God of protection. He's trying to, you know, let Cain know that my protection is over you. But what happens, and as you go down a couple of verses, about 10 verses down, there was a man named Lamech, and Lamech was a bad guy in the Bible. And what Lamech did was he focused in on this whole notion of God saying, well, you know, seven times, I'll, you know, repay seven times. And Lamech says, you know what? God says that he'll repay seven times for an injury. Well, guess what? I will repay 77 times. That's what you call revenge. <laughs> you know, when somebody injures you and I, the way I'm coming back on it is I'm coming back like Lamech came. I'm coming 77 times and that's the payback. And you and I know that there's a problem with payback. Particularly on, the, on that level or on any level, there is a problem with payback. Because what payback does is it builds bitterness into your life. What payback does is it builds bitterness into your life. If somebody is constantly trying to settle the score what you find is you, there's no satisfaction in that. At the end of the day, you know, maybe feel good for a little bit, but at the end of the day, what it does is it makes your heart smaller. It makes your heart harder. If you've ever been around a person who, you know, they set their life up trying to settle scores, you know that that's not a good strategy. It's not a good strategy because we all get only one life and that's not the way to live it because we will experience injury. And so the question becomes, what is the strategy? And the scripture this morning does bring forward the strategy and the strategy is pardon. The strategy is pardon. And the reason that that is the strategy is because that is the nature of God. That is the character of God. That is what God is all about, about shalom and about wholeness and about well-being and about healing and about peace. God is about peace. And so to live as the people of God is to begin to build that peace into our lives and, and bring that peace forward in our lives. And that's what the apostle does as he counsels the church this morning. You may have noticed that the scripture this morning is built around the Trinity. 
It's built around the three aspects of God. And basically what happens is he doesn't start with the Father, Son. The Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, he starts with the Holy Spirit. He kind of works backwards in the text this morning. But he starts out with the Holy Spirit. He moves to the Son, and then he moves to the Father. But as he starts out with the Holy Spirit, he starts out like this. You know, the whole notion is that when we have been injured, so often we feel alone. When we find ourselves in those places that, that you know, we, we, we've been hurt, so often we feel kind of isolated. And he says, you need to know and you need to understand that when you feel that way, that that is not the reality of your life, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that the presence of God is with you. And as that presence of the Holy Spirit is with you, it is there to be with you as your strength. It is there to be with you as your healer. It is there to be with you as the one who provides patience. It is the one to, who brings forward perseverance. It's, it's there to provide for us all those things we don't possess in and of ourselves. And he says you need to know that that is where the Holy Spirit abides and how we begin to, those are the, those are the blessings that the Holy Spirit would bring. And that the way that we begin to connect in with how do we sense that the Holy Spirit is in our hearts, and this is in verse 29, he says you connect in by, that, by the words that are coming out of your mouth. Because we all know that whatever comes out of our mouth is kind of what's abiding in our hearts. And so he says, you know, look at the words that are coming out of your mouth. And he says, let no evil talk come out of your mouth. That's the first line in 29. King James says, you know, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, you know, either in self-talk, in terms of how you're talking to yourself, or how we're talking to others. He says, focus in on that, because what comes out reflects on what's going inside. And he says, don't let it be evil. Instead, you begin to look at that verse. He says, make sure that the com what comes out of our mouth, he says, is upbuilding, is edifying, is the word that they use in the King James translation that it imparts grace, that that is the language that we want to be bringing forward in those moments of injury in our lives. And I tell you, friends, that is so true. I had a father-in-law from East Texas, and he used to reflect uh, on injury in this way. He talked about, you know, anybody can go into a barn with a crowbar and rip the barn up. Anybody can use a crowbar on a barn but it takes a carpenter to build one. I want to tell you, he did a lot more colorfully than that. Julia and I, you know, can share with you. I'm not going to go into the colorful language of East Texas, but the concept is there. You know, anybody can come in in the matter of injury and rip it up, use the crowbar. The question is, when we get in there, can we be carpenters? Can we build? Will what we do with the language that we say be upbuilding? Will it impart grace? And that's the challenge that, that the apostle brings for you. He says that the Holy Spirit is what helps bring that into our lives. And so he uses this phrase, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Go with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is working in a particular direction. And so kind of cooperate with that and move with that. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Go with the Holy Spirit. And so he brings the Holy Spirit and the next he shifts into, into Jesus. He shifts into the second person of the Trinity. And here's what he says about pardon here. He says, what we do in relation to Jesus is that we give to others what Jesus has given to us. 
that as we live as Christians, what we do is we give to others what Jesus has given to us. And we all know that when we have crossed the line with Jesus, what does Jesus give to us? The cross. When we cross the line, he gives us the cross. When we cross the line, he gives us forgiveness. He says, that's what God in Christ has given us, is forgiveness. And so that is the reality in which we live our lives. That is the reality that kind of is the foundation for who we are, and that's the foundation on which we stand when we move into those moments that are difficult moments. As we take the pardon that comes from our Savior, and then what we do is we pass that pardon on to others. Now, let me be quick to say that when we talk about forgiving and we talk about pardoning, I think it's so important as we do that to know that what that does not mean is it not, does not mean condoning. It does not mean accepting. It does not mean saying that if somebody injured you, it's okay. It does not mean that. It does not mean that if you've sustained injury that you should not protect yourself. Because I think anytime we find ourselves in kind of abusive situations, it's important to protect yourself. And pardon is not against protecting yourself. And it's not against processing things emotionally because it is important to process pain and injury emotionally. But it is also important, pardon is a different step than all of those things. What pardon does is it takes what we have received in the cross of Christ and it claims what we received in the cross of Christ and it says that is what I'm going to give and pass on to someone else. That pardon that I have been given is the pardon that I will give. I want to tell you, friends, that is a powerful position to come from. That is not a position of weakness. That is a position of strength. And so what he's counseling is that we take what we have received and then we give that to others because that's what God has given to us. And then he moves on to the third person of the Trinity. He moves on to the Father, and as he comes down, it's in the first part of chapter 5. He says, you know how with kids, how kids look up to their parents? And how kids want to copy their parents, particularly little kids. You know, they look at mom and they look at dad. And they say, man, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like that. That's what kids do. He says, that's what we do too. He says, as dear children, be imitators of God. Be imitators of the Father. Just as little kids look to their parents, we, as those who are children of God, look to our Heavenly Father. And we know that the nature of God is love. That's what 1 John says, that God is love. And so what the apostle says in this particular text, after he says, be imitators as dear children, he says, live in love, walk in love. Because that's the God that we live in. That is the God that we follow. And so he, he brings those things forward, that this is our identity. This is how we were made by the one who made us. This is how we were saved by the one who saved us. And so we're called into that forgiveness by the Father, by the Son, by the Spirit. 
And when we live in that forgiveness, and he closes out the text like this, and it's an interesting, I think it's a really powerful close. He says that when we live in pardon, what it does is it pleases God. That it is pleasing to God. And you get down into that last line, and he says that as we live this way, it is a fragrant sacrifice. It is a fragrant offering. And the image there is taken from the Old Testament is taken from uh, the notion in the Old Testament that w what people would do is when they came to worship, they would bring um, their sacrif the sacrificial lamb. You know, they would bring their lamb, they would bring their offering, and, it, and as they brought that, that then it would be consumed by the fire. As it was consumed by fire, you know, it was, it was the aromas that would rise up uh, smell, you know, would be pleasing to God, would smell good, kind of like when you go in the kitchen, things smell good, you know? And the whole notion here is that there is a pleasing sense to God when we live our lives in the power of pardon. And so the apostle brings that forward and invites us to begin to consider how do we respond in those moments of injury that are moments of opportunity as we live into those moments in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit as instruments of God's peace. And so I invite us to bow our heads, to join our hearts, to be together in prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you always for the ways that you are a forgiving God. And we know that in you is our Father, who is the Father of love. And we know that in the Son is the one who goes to the cross for us. And we know that in the Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens us. And Lord, we want to center our lives in that great grace that you pour upon us. That when we have those choices to make in our lives, moving forward in very, very difficult times and places that we may move forward with you. Lord, help us to be instruments of your peace. Let it be all to your glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord, whose name we pray. Amen. Invite us to stand, join together in our singing our closing hymn, and our, in, our hymn is, How Can We Sinners Know? So let's join together.